0: And so I'm here with Joel Houston. Many of you know Joel. He uh, uh, spent some time here in Nippon. Uh, so Joel used to be uh, uh, an instructor, professor at, at Nippon Bible College, and now you are, what's what's your official title right now?
1: Yeah, I'm an associate professor uh, of theology at Briarcrest College and Seminary. Right, right.
0: Yeah. And he's also uh, the program supervisor for, uh, for well, he's my program supervisor right now. So uh, that's mm-hmm. kind of fun that we get to still uh, still do stuff together. and, and here we mm-hmm. are today. So I'll give a bit of a, of a summary of, of where we've been because our, our time is, is, is crisp this morning. We want to be we want to be crisp with how we manage it. So um, our first week in this class, we uh, Jordan talked about a, a big picture of technology and how uh, all technology happens. Um, within the sovereignty of god within the bounds god's created for us on planet earth uh and and so god is sovereign over 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 our use of technology technology as we develop things and 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 you and and develop technology that it's really us um working out the creation mandate that god gave us to subdue the earth and and yet because we are sinful uh, much of our technology is going to be used for sinful purposes like the tower of babel however technology can also be used for godly purposes such as building noah's ark and and so it was just sort of a big overall picture there by the way doug if this mic starts to sound a little crackly just work the gain knob back and forth i had to do that a bunch yesterday speaking of technology uh, now, now, uh, last week, we, we focused in a little bit more tightly on media technology, communication technology. And we looked at this idea that the medium shapes the message. Okay, so what, what we mean by that, the medium shapes the message, is that how you say something dramatically impacts what you are saying. <clears throat> so... <clears throat> Even at the, at the level of body language, if you say something serious in a goofy way, you are saying something goofy uh, and, and, and vice versa. And so we looked at how different, tech, how different media technologies, like television, for example, shape the type of, of message that they can communicate. When we take information that might be of a serious nature and break it up into all little pieces and, and insert kind of funny advertisements in between it all, and make it all really entertaining. We are changing the what we can say. So we ended by, by giving the example uh, of, uh, of 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 children's. Um, I'll use the word entertainment. Christian children's entertainment. We talked about like a video series, like "What's in the Bible," where the content can be really good. But when that content, when that serious content is communicated in a goofy, entertaining way, we're actually communicating to children that that the truths of the eternal truths of God are trivial and goofy and entertaining uh, by by communicating things in a silly, trivial, goofy way. We're, we're training people to see those things as trivial and and that was one example of of just the medium shaping the message now today we really want to to hone in a little bit on on technology uh devices social media things like that and, and the way that they shape our communication the way that they are shaping our our communication today and uh, the reason why, why I'm here with with Joel is uh, is Joel, you've taught a, a class d- specifically on this, so maybe you want to give us a little rundown on on what that class uh, was called, what it was about, and uh, and some of the big ideas there.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so the course that I taught it was called uh, "Left to Our Own Devices" and like the question mark, uh, because you know, for many people, I think that we've come across this strange new world of having our devices uh knowing that they're tools but finding that they have a almost outsized influence in our life we find ourselves on our phones perhaps more than we'd like we find our friends our relationships all affected by it and sometimes in some pretty adverse ways so the course was really looking at trying to make sense of why is it that these devices are so influential Um, Have we been, you know, like the the question asks, you know, are we sort of left on our own with this or is there a way to think theologically, spiritually about that? And so in many ways, it's in line with what you're doing in these Sunday school uh, sessions here, too. So we did that. And then we really just tried to, to focus in on how life in the church in many ways is actually an antidote to sort of a screen based life. And what are the practices that we engage in as Christians to kind of counteract that outsized influence? Okay.
0: so uh, and, and and that that class really shaping a bit of the focus for our discussion today. We're talking largely. So let's work that. See how it's starting to crackle. Let's just work that game back and forth. Um, and uh, if we need just to switch this over to another channel, we can. Um, and so we're uh, we're talking today largely about about devices and so there you see how we're bringing together a couple of threads from our, our previous discussions one is a, a device like a smartphone is a piece of technology right um, and, and that's not a, a bad thing to have a piece of technology like this um, and, and, and yet it can be used for, for, for bad things right as we talked about the first week however these devices are also devices that are largely used for, for forms of media communication whether that's social media instant messaging, email uh, browsing the internet YouTube. It's we got lots and lots of, of different forms of media communication here And it's all mediated through this device through this screen. So uh, Devices have become ubiquitous, right? Like it's the, the, it, who doesn't have a, a, a smartphone these days um, What are the what are the main effects that we're seeing? Uh, devices having on, on human behavior
1: and human relationships. Yeah, for sure. So sometimes, you know, it's a very common question that people say, well, look, you know, I've got a phone and um, it's a tool. And so, you know, it's in some ways no different than when, you know, original phones were installed in our homes. But the real difference here is that your, you know, dial up rotary phone in your house didn't have thousands of Silicon Valley engineers trying to make your device more addictive to you. So one of the one of the biggest things that we're finding I think with screen-based technologies the way in which it's a really it's the it's the sharp point of a whole industry that is built around user engagement. Uh and so what we're seeing is softwares uh all the way down to hardwares, you know a phone is pleasant to hold, it has a nice weight, beautiful surfaces, that are meant to engage us in some really absorbing ways. So what we're finding, yeah, is that there is a, a real um, tendency for people, and, and young people especially, to spend inordinate amounts of time on these phones because of the ways in which these technologies are engineered to, to pull us in. So uh, there was one um, uh, study that was conducted that was suggesting that around You know, generation of what we might think of as high school, early college age students were spending upwards of seven hours of screen time uh, on a phone. Now, that's going to be everything from, yeah, absolutely, from picking it up to, you know, I mean, but when we think about it, we use it for everything, don't we? I mean, we text, we call, we play our games, we write emails, we check, uh, we read articles, and... uh, And I mean, I want to be clear in this class, too. I am an avid user of a phone and and screen-based technologies. It's a part of my daily life. But what we're seeing is it's more and more and more. And then, and then what that's transitioning over to in the work of Jonathan Haidt has been really good to point this out is increased levels of uh, mental health concerns. So things like depression, things like anxiety, the cleverly termed FOMO, fear of missing out. Um, these kinds of things are starting to attend these behaviors. Isolation. Uh, the work of Sherry Turkle has pointed out how our actual physical interactions with others are on the decline too. Uh, online bullying, things like that. So it's a host of unpleasant, antisocial or asocial behaviors that are coming along with high user engagement with screen-based devices. Okay, so um,
0: uh, that was seven hours. That was seven hours a day of, of screen time. Yes, sorry, okay. okay. uh, okay. per day. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, yeah. Um, so we talked last week how the medium shapes the message. So, so let, let's go into that here. How is it that communicating with with people using this? is different than communicating with people face-to-face. Like, isn't yeah. it just, I, I could talk to you in person or I could talk to someone using uh, using a, a digital yeah. technology. Like, what is it about the screen-based technology that, that is having this effect on, on our communication?
1: Yeah, yeah. So screen-based technologies do something which uh, philosopher Albert Borgman said, they disburden us. So what they do is they make it very easy for us to communicate. They remove the burden of communication. So, for example, Chris, I'm down in Briarcrest. You're up in the promised land of Nipwin. If I wanted to communicate with you, I could just I could just send you a text. It would take me mere moments, and then I could say, "Hey, Chris, hope you're doing well." Um, But it would be much harder for me to get in my car and drive up, you know, the five hours, and then meet you face to face for a coffee. And what we think of you should do that. I I should do that and absolutely and and I will you've got my uh, recorded uh, promise for that now but you know but I would say to myself well that's that costs a lot of money and it takes a lot of time. But you know what those burdens do is they communicate a significance that technology takes away from us. So if I were to surprise you, say on Monday, drive up, you know, maybe I've got some donuts for us and for your kids, and and I say, hey Chris, you know, I'm here for coffee. You're going to think, wow, this is this is amazing. Like you did all of that. So there's kinds of these these burdens. There's like gifts in those burdens that will have a sort of like added meaning to the communicative act. And when we just shoot a text off, it doesn't cost us anything, super easy. In fact, I could text 10 of my friends all at the same time, it doesn't require anything. And so as a result, I miss out on a lot of those gifts that can come along with the added expense of doing something in person or even writing a handwritten letter takes a lot more time, but can communicate a lot more meaning. So that's number one. Mm -hmm. Number two is, um, there's an important level of nonverbal even biofeedback that we receive when we talk to people. So if we're face to face and I share an unpleasant comment with you, your physical response will give me an important sense of feedback about how my words are being received, and that will generate an empathic response in me. I'll feel bad for having you made f- making you feel bad or. Maybe your delight will trigger my delight. But we're engaging on a much more nuanced and intricate way that technology will flatten. So if I send a tweet out and it's a mean tweet about somebody, I don't actually get to see their response, which doesn't trigger any of those important biological uh, mechanisms like empathy or delight or sympathy or things like that. So what happens is our discourse gets flattened And we become harsher. We um, say things that we would never say to another person uh, in person. We direct comments to people that we perhaps don't know anything about, but we've judged them on their political views or on their religious views. And so the discourse becomes more about um enhancing our emotional states of like anger and you know things like that than it does about sensitivity and nuance so the discourse and that's why i think we see things like twitter and facebook very being quite aggressive because we don't have that you know in-person accountability Mm -hmm.
0: so i i think i think we all know that uh the way that well even before Facebook and, and Twitter you know um, early forum users were we, we'd be on forums arguing with people and and you'd say all kinds of things and you'd be a lot more so I think we, we get that L- let me let me make a, a counterpoint here um, is is it is it not better at times to be able to communicate with someone in those forums than nothing at all like so let's not miss the irony that right now you know we're talking yeah. about digital te- screen-based technology we're having a screen-based conversation right now yeah uh is that not is it not better that you and i be doing this than that we not be talking at all if right. that's the case then then how how do we and, and, and i want to come back to some, some more things here so i'm, I'm maybe jumping ahead to application mm-hmm. and we'll circle back true if, if would, so two questions would you agree that that certain forms of screen-based communication are better than nothing and then how do we make wise decisions about about uh about using them wisely without um completely giving up the the importance of of an embodied relationship Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah that's really good
1: so the question always becomes what are you trying to do and by that we mean like what are So we talk about, there's a Greek word that talks about like our goal and the word is telos, right? So it's like we're headed in a a line towards our goal. So the question is, what is our goal? Now, if our goal is simply information transfer, like you just needed me to come on and share three facts, then we would say, yeah, screen-based technology is better than maybe not having those facts. But if our goal was, say, for example we want to fellowship together as the body of Christ. Well, now we've got a bit of a different aim and it may not be that screen-based is better than nothing. Maybe it would actually be better not doing that and realizing that we can only gather as a physical body. That's just just an off-the-cuff example. So the question is, what are we trying to do? And in some cases, yes, it is better than nothing to do something. So I, I want to absolutely grant that point. And then the second is, you know, when he said like, Uh, You know, so how do we then kind of make those decisions wisely? I I think the good is the enemy of the best, and that's not my phrase. That's something my dad told me. You know, but this idea that we can often have good ideas, and we in life can be prepared to settle for what is merely good instead of striving for what is truly best. Right. So, and and that is that is the process of discernment. So, as you said, you know, when we're getting to application. There is no real one-size-fits-all approach here. Um, It's not going to be the case that we can say, all right, Twitter, Facebook, and Zoom are bad, but whereby text messaging and email are good. That's not, it's not as simple as that. But rather, it needs to be that process of deliberate um, consideration in all of our lives as Jesus followers to say the good what is the good that is the enemy of the best here like am i yes sending a text is good but is jesus asking me to get off my couch and go share with this person or whatever right like and so my concern is that i think too often we've let technology disburden us and have called it just you know prudence, right? I'm saving time in doing this, and it's like, well, I actually think that maybe, well, I know to speak personally, I think I've just been lazy in a lot of the cases, and I've let technology do something that I maybe shouldn't have allowed.
0: Yeah, I, I appreciate that. It's it's easy to have uh, it's easy to have Pharisaical rules. This this yeah. tool is good. This tool is bad. It's a lot. It's a lot tougher to to really think some of these things. Think some yeah. of these things through at that level of, of what are we trying to do, um, and and to really think through what these different forms of communication are accomplishing. Neil Postman, who wrote uh, "Amusing Ourselves to Death," which I, I used heavily in, in last week's class, uh, he, he he the phrase he used in "Amusing Ourselves to Death" is "technology giveth and technology taketh away, and not always in equal amounts." Uh, right? Maybe he said equal proportions. So every time we choose to use a certain form of of communication, whether that's Facebook, whether that's that's, um, Twitter, whether that's sending an email, whether that's sending a text message, whether that's having a Zoom call, whether that's um, looking something up on the internet instead of calling up our grandpa to ask him, um, those forms of technology and media communication are... Are giving something but they also might be taking something away and what are we what are we missing yes. what are we missing out on yeah so I may want to circle back to, to discussing more about actual device use um, next week we're planning to talk just so you know a little bit where we're going next week we're planning to talk a little bit more about things like algorithms that that mm-hmm. Facebook uses uh, and 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 that, that Google uses Um, the way in which the internet is is very deliberately engineered to hook us so so we'll talk more about that I I may want to come back to just a little bit more about device use what screen time does but but we're sort of in this discussion about embodiment here again the idea of face-to-face communication involves certain things that just can't be there with 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 screen-based communication um, so let, let's talk about some of, the, some of the implications of that for, for our life together in, in the church. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've all uh, been through the last couple of years and we know one of the big talking points coming out of COVID was virtual is the way of the future. You know, churches all move right. to virtual with COVID. Virtual is the way of the future. We got to adapt to the post-COVID world. People are, are wanting virtual church. They, they, they want all that. Um, what would you say to, to someone who was, who was touting, uh, virtual church as, as really the way of the future?
1: Yeah. So I, just to warn everyone, I, I mark myself as a bit of a techno pessimist. So it's like, you can take everything I say with a grain of salt, but you know, I think, um, you know, when you look at the incarnation, so as humanity needed redemption, God provided redemption um, through the person, work, life, death, resurrection, ascension of Jesus Christ. So it, that tells us that the way that humans are to be redeemed is through assuming humanity and redeeming it. So, so God right, uh, humbled himself, became man in Christ Jesus, and redeemed us. And I think that that then becomes the really the formative way that we should look at what the body of Christ is, which is an embodied, physically present, uh, mystically constituted. I mean, Paul talks about how we're the body of Jesus Christ um, group of persons that are on this journey of sanctification. Like that's what the church is. We're called out from our lives to be together. And so I would say that with those kind of two signposts, you just can't have um, digital church. You need to have physical embodiment because that's the way that we experience redemption. We are a group of people who have the Holy Spirit in us, who are called together, and in that space, the Spirit uses us to you know challenge and encourage and grow one another. And and again, like all those things involve burdens. It involves us leaving our homes and and, and journeying to a place because that communicates that this was worthwhile and it was significant. And you say, well, what about the person who's in a wheelchair that can't come? Well, then the body goes to that person or somebody goes to get that person to bring them because this is a fundamentally different thing than what the world does. So again i i you know don't want to be an extremist but i'm like church is meant to be difficult it's meant to be something that calls us out it's um if i could use a technical word it's an ascesis it's an ascetic discipline like this is
0: define ascetic for us
1: please yeah so it's like it's something where we take the um the vices in our lives and sort of cut them back by the power of the spirit to say we're doing a hard thing for our betterment it's like eating vegetables or doing sit-ups nobody likes them but they're good for us and we should probably do them now um sorry i just i lost my train of thought but it's like but that's what church is like if if we have to take up our cross and follow jesus that's certainly going to be a part of it so i'm not a fan of saying well this is easier and this is more convenient and surely you know we can just kind of you know do these things why are we letting the dictates of the world and convenience shape the way that we do the body of christ i mean we don't get our marching orders from the world so those would be some very fun and also this have you ever tried a digital baptism chris doesn't work you got to have material elements like one uh, theologian who i'd say don't read anything else that she's written she said that she loved christianity because she said you can't get started without some bread wine and water and i like that because it's like we are embodied people and and god in his wisdom knows that and we'd be remiss if we thought we had a better idea here so
0: yeah it's it's interesting i i would point to i think some of the same things you pointed to um and and yet I I think of some of the specific ways that the church is described and and even that that idea of assembly like that being so important yeah uh the the word church ecclesia but by the time uh, of the, the by the time of the New Testament had just come to just mean assembly you know the, mm-hmm. the regular assemblies it's translated That's in, right. in acts 18. Mm-hmm. yeah and and so it like the the word literally means just like a gathering an assembly of people um which uh you can't you can't do unless you actually assemble right and so um right and so the when when we uh partake of church quote-unquote on our own with a screen um that's does that do you think that seems to feed into um okay (laughs) Is that just a logical continuation of the way that some people have been treating church for years of sort of like Mm -hmm. you drive in, you you get your, Mm -hmm. you get your soul tune up, you're a, you're a consumer, you're a consumer and, and and then you leave and you, you know, you pick the church that has the good music and the the good looking youth pastor and all that kind of stuff. And, and you get your, you get, you get your service and you leave as opposed to something that you're actually an active participant with. Um, right. And so do, would you think it's true that for some people, screen-based church is, isn't is really for them much different than being there because they're just sitting on a chair, passively taking in a, a really nice service. Right. What does it actually look like, though, to participate in the service? Like, what is God's intention in terms of participation? If, yeah. if we are just sitting in a chair listening to someone preach, like, what actually does participation in a church service look uh, look like or should look like. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, depending on your model, and I know uh, you would source your model from the Bible, you would see a lot of like what happens when people gather together, right? Is the singing of hymns and the sharing in the resources and the Lord's Supper, the um, serving one another, meeting needs, um, prophecy, things like that. So when we think about participation, again, we need to remember that church is not actually about us. You know, many of us think that, you know, we go to church on Sunday, and then we go home and have roast pastor, you know, and, and discuss the service, and it's like, but really, the truth of it is, is that our worship is is for and to and in Christ Jesus, and so, us gathering together is for Jesus, is to sing praise for Jesus. It's to serve and love our neighbor. So, for example, we often think, well, you know, it's going to be inconvenient for me to go. It's like, but who needs to see you there? Like, which brother or sister in the family needs to be encouraged by saying, hey, I know that John's going to be there today. And I just, man, he's right. He's special to me. I got, you know, so that's, you're right. I, I think that we have a consumer, is a very Western concern. We have a consumer-driven culture, you know, where we've thought, well, if I'm not getting anything out of it, then maybe it's not worth my investment and and you know I think this is a I think this is a judgment in some ways because you know you have men and women in North Korea who will risk their lives to gather together and worship the risen Lord Jesus and we are inconvenienced by you know maybe it's a cold day or maybe I don't like that pastor it's like well we need to be really careful before we start disrupting that like the pastor of Hebrews god in his word says the holy spirit says do not forsake you know the getting together the gathering together of the body as some are in the habit of doing so you know we need to take god's word seriously in that regard too i think Mm -hmm. yeah
0: so um if we think that the medium shapes the message when we do church quote unquote do church as a A really slick media production that you can just take a part of on a screen we fundamentally actually change the message in that we're saying uh we're the professionals on the stage you are the passive consumer uh it's kind of like going to a movie theater except you pay in the offering basket and we're giving you a really great service it's entertaining it's engaging it feels relevant um, and you're a consumer as opposed to embodied church which is god's intention a gathering we're together we are actually we're all we're here to to to, we're here to give to contribute to each other and Mm -hmm. and and fundamentally we're here to for for the lord and so Mm -hmm. even though we might be singing the same songs and even preaching the same message the medium shapes the message Yeah. yeah so so um two weeks ago we had a snow apocalypse up here and no one i i literally couldn't get out of my driveway and so uh neither could could many people um the our 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 church parking lot was impassable Mm -hmm. um i live streamed a a sermon from my from my couch downstairs to all for for whoever wanted to to be able to to part to to watch that um was that a, a like so so don't don't hold back here uh, and you know i think what some of what i'll say in response but was that a
1: bad idea <laughs> <laughs> was that a bad idea um so, so again i'd circle back to you what are you trying to do right so are you trying to suggest that this is the same thing like hey guys just this sunday we're gonna do the same thing or are you trying to say in light of these circumstances the word of God must be still preached. And so this is how we're going to do it. Okay, well, those are two different things, right? So I'd kind of say, well, what, what was your intention? What were you driving at? So no, I, I don't think that was bad. I think if, if I could kind of play Lucifer's litigator, I would say one of the things that we would lose in that would be saying, all right, so Pastor Chris can no longer preach. Why? Because we all can't get to church. So what? So say, for example, I was a parishioner in your congregation, say you sent an email, another technological thing, where you said, all right, men of EBC, you are now required to teach the Bible to your family. This is the passage that you'll be speaking on. Please gather your families together and do so. I'll look forward to hearing how it all went. Sincerely, Chris. And then suddenly it's like, okay, I am, as the spiritual head of my family, now required to teach my kids the Bible. Well, that's that's something different too, right? So I'm kind of like, they're depending on what you wanted to do there's different ways to do it so mm-hmm.
0: so uh, a couple of thoughts in response um what about uh the many f- and now i want to do what about ism but like well what about what about but 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 thinking as a pastor knowing there are many families in our church that yeah. don't have godly well they don't like yep. not, not every family unit represented in our church is a, is a nuclear family. Absolutely. Uh, not, ha- we, there are many who, even who are, who <coughs> don't have godly husbands or husbands equipped to yep. do that. And so um, that type of approach would, would leave many people in the cold. Um, the, the, the way that, the way that we've explained it, because, because back when, back when we were initially shut down during COVID, uh, we did a... We did an online uh, live stream where we would sing some songs and I would preach, but I I think almost every week I told people, this isn't church. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I think that the word, uh, another guy I read used was, was he considered it just like a chapel service and, and uh, which I I think is, is a helpful way of thinking about it. But I I would tell people every week, this is not church. This is a supplement because which right. is better than nothing until we can actually gather for church again yeah. and, and even yeah. though not everyone agreed with me i was pretty insistent that we were going to hold off on the mm-hmm. lord's supper until we could actually all be together as a church uh, yeah. that was the one thing that that in in my in my view in my understanding uh i can preach to a to a camera and people can watch it and it's not the same as being together in 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 the body and and yet there is still some of the same important elements uh, that, yeah. that can be communicated, um, but but like the Lord's Supper, which is us gathered as one body, yeah. sharing of one of one bread. Uh, yeah, y- y- it is it is impossible to do that right. when we're all spread out in our individual locations. It it, it, it right. completely changes what's actually yeah. going on. Yeah. And, uh, yeah that so so but but going back to that the, we we did the the online sermon thing through much of covid and even again recently because of weather while also saying very clearly this is not church this is not right. the same this is a supplement this is a bit like a bag of uh of iv in your arm to get you through till your next meal um right and i th- understanding there is still some benefit to to receiving the word uh, in this way even if it isn't um if it isn't quite the same and we we shut down we shut down our online services as soon as we were able to gather again um mm-hmm. because there was no there was no real point at that point um mm-hmm. even there though would you would you would you have some cautions for us as we as we navigate our, our use of 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 these technologies in the church e-
1: No, I mean, I commend you. I I would, even as you were talking about that, I was like, but it's not church. And then you're like, but I said it wasn't church. I'm like, yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think the only caution concern that I offer to people is language shapes reality. So the words that we use about what we're doing will shape what we think of it. So if we call something church, online church, we have just brought into reality something that may not actually exist. Just like when people say they have friends on Facebook, you don't have any friends on Facebook. You you have some sort of a digital connection, but a friend is so much deeper and more significant than a number that adds up. You know, just like you don't have a community. There's no such thing as an online like community, a, an online Instagram community. It's like, no, exactly. you, just,
0: you just look at their pictures like that's right. it. And there's a right. bunch of people who look at their pictures.
1: But but see and so that's what the the technical term here is it's begging the question it's assuming the definition to use the word to define it and and that's not so i think like you said exactly you know we can do this but let's be clear about what what this actually is and then in that case that can become then very good yes some people do need that weekly you know kind of just get through but what we're doing is not a replacement of nor substitution for the actual reality so i think as long as we're being Clear about what our language is doing and, and the kinds of realities it's it's invoking then I, I think it's okay which brings us back to we need to be discerning self-critical um, and 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 wise you know followers of Jesus in this technological world
0: yeah I'd like to open it up to a couple, uh, see if there's some questions from some of the folks in the room here. Um, when we were first sketching this out, this discussion out, you had brought up uh, something that uh, I think many of us have just assumed is normal, is reading the Bible on our phones. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you want to comment on that for a little bit? Should we read the Bible on our phones? Why or why
1: not? Yeah. So I'd say no. I don't think you should. Um, there's a couple of reasons. So number one, um, I'm I'm cautious of... You know, the same. I'm going to. I'm going to be a little bit provocative here. So just, you know, um, the same device. You know, that can bring the news to you and text messages and emails, and sometimes things that are actually quite pernicious, like pornography or violent images or you know, um, music that isn't God honoring, and can bring you the scriptures too is doing a dangerous thing, which is suggesting that all of these things are are just like each other, right? If I want to be entertained, I can look at this. If I want to do that, I can do this. And if I want a a bit of a spiritual bump, then I can just jump on my Bible. God's Word is fundamentally different than that. And so I think that we want to create, and uh, yeah, I'll use the word, a sacred space for that Word where only God's Word can come through in this one medium. And that's where I think having a dedicated Bible for that usage suggests that sort of sacred aspect that we want to preserve as believers. Um, moreover, there are certain reinforcements that come with having a physical Bible that do not come with using a phone. So for example, the physical act of turning pages, the uh, the visual accompaniment that, you know, comes when our eyes reach non-backlit surfaces, uh the the experience of spatial memory. Some of you know where John 316 is on the page. You know, there's something special about that. And it's not just it's a neat parlor trick, but it's actually helping us hide God's word in our hearts. So I think that's another added aspect to it. Um, finally, you can use your Bible when the power goes out. Uh and if your phone, you know, dies, Uh, you know, there's that the last thing I would say too, and this is something that, um, there's actually a web comic. Uh, it was a graphic novel that was published online that actually I'll I'll have to send to you. I really enjoyed it. And they were simulating a society where the government had extensive reach into digital communications and you weren't, there were no physical Bibles anymore, but everyone had the Bible on their phones And then at one point in the series, the government is um, upset uh, by what the Bible has to say about um, sexual immorality. And so they just take those verses out of the authorized version of the Bible. But the funny thing is, nobody in the comic knows. Well, how would they know? Because it's not in their Bible now, right? So, and I'm not, you know, I I don't think the government necessarily is going to do that right now, but it is like, there's something about preserving the integrity of your translation where you know what's in your Bible and it's your Bible. It's not, you're not dependent upon a third party distributor. You're not dependent on technologies that we can't see to deliver that to you. So it's a little bit of my tin hat theory, but there's also that going on.
0: So I'm tempted to to argue with with some of that because I think the Bible on my phone, uh, especially using some of the study tools on there, that's how I start my sermon prep every week. And and maybe that's different, right? Because I have my pen and I'm marking up and whatever. But I I think for everyone who would want to argue with you, the question is, have you ever gone to read the Bible on your phone or your iPad and been distracted by notification and ended up reading that thing instead of the Bible? (laughs) and mm. and then it's kind of like your case <laughs> rests <laughs> uh, but, but yes. to that is something i remember my op- <clears throat> my optometrist telling me oh decade and a half ago is that uh in studies they've done uh reading comprehension with on with ink yeah. on paper as opposed to a screen is is there's a there's a significant difference essentially, the test was having a bunch of kids read something on paper compared mm. to reading it on a screen, and the mm-hmm. paper is way more significant it's because again mm-hmm. th- this may not necessarily be a case of the medium shaping the message, but there is something Different going on, just even physically with Mm -hmm. this physical engagement with a piece of paper and ink. That's just not happening with 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 a a screen, and and our brains are processing that information Mm -hmm. in different ways. Yes,
1: yes. Now, and just oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just to say further to your point about you know the the children's program that makes the scriptures a light and fluffy kind of you know experience. That's, I think, the exact same thing that's happening on your phone is that it's like it's just making your Bible just like every other experience on your phone when it's not. It's fundamentally different. It's God's spirit speaking to you. So I think, yeah, that medium in the message Mm -hmm. is huge there, too.
0: Yeah, yeah, and this would even lead into even some of the things publishers, even some good publishers, have done with pa- with paper Bibles. Is you know the the hunting man's devotional Bible or the you know the right. woman's gardening frilly Bible, where every well no, that, even this is a big one, right? Where you got all these devotionals that are all filled with flowers and they look really pretty and it's all just beautifully artistic. But the medium shapes the message, and yeah. and is that yeah. you know the fact that you can go pick a Bible that totally suits your personal. Estate, aesthetic right even that is, right. is communicating something yes uh, yes the media it shapes is. the message it does yeah, yeah. it does well let's um, maybe I mean we could keep going I, I knew that I knew that this time would go fast uh, anyone here want to ask uh, Joel or, or even myself uh, uh, but but we're here with Joel anyone want to ask him a question in, in the next few minutes that, that we have here anyone have anything burning in your mind or should we just keep uh, should we just keep chatting when do we have till chris uh, well technically we have three minutes but that's never stopped me before no. Okay, well, no, problem, <laughs> no, no we problem. we should yeah. be done in like three four minutes so yeah, yeah yeah that's good anyone want to ask any questions this is, this is a lot to think about yes karen Neuroplasticity, yeah. changing, it has changed because that is we're seeing that That's right. That's right. That's right. So, so Joel, what, what Karen was sharing from some working at, uh, doing something with a hospital in, in in Calgary was how they're finding children are, are having a they can read something on a screen but can't read it in a book, and that's because mm-hmm. they're so used to a screen that their brains mm-hmm. are 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 mm-hmm. neuroplasticity refers to the way in which our, our brains are. Change. They're, they're shaped by the behaviors we practice. There's the famous mm-hmm. study of the London cab drivers. So guys who drove taxis around London, and the part of your brain that memorizes maps was huge on these guys. Because literally your brain will actually grow in certain areas if you do repetitive tasks. Our brains are plastic. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is going to be something we're going to be talking about more next week, is is the way in which d- the, the how devices are so engaging and, and the social networks are so engaging. Constant... Uh, Constant notifications, constant updates—it's something's new, new, new. Every time you open up Instagram, it's new, shiny, beautiful pictures. Our brains get hooked on that newness, and literally, they get hooked on it. Um, and and that is that is impacting particularly children in some really, really profound ways. Don't give your kids cell phones. And, and that's not just because they're going to access bad content, it's just that any content in that kind of a flashy, it's always new, it's always new, it's always new format is, is fundamentally shaping their ability to interact with the world. So uh, that's coming a little bit more next week. So, you know, we are hearing, Joel, some, uh, even though we started off this class on an important note, God is sovereign over technology. Mm-hmm. Um, the technology is is something that can be used for good or for bad yet there are certain technologies that tend to lean in mm-hmm. certain
1: directions and, yeah. and is is that a fair way of summing up kind yeah. of what we're seeing here absolutely absolutely and like I you know I, I don't don't want to be a prophet of doom but we also can't underestimate sin and our fallen nature in right. in this equation yes God is sovereign yes and amen and we have a real gift and ability for letting things get out of hand here so yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, uh, what would be a a concluding exhortation to these fine people? The way of summing up what we've talked about.
1: You know, the concluding exhortation is really an encouragement that it's like, you know what? They're here in the room engaged in this question. And that's as long as we have believers who are committing to following Jesus in person, asking these hard questions, then, you know, we're going to be okay. Because, again, we have the spirit of Christ in us, it's not a spirit of fear. Um, and so that's that's really it's an encouragement that uh, as long as we're we're sticking with it Christ will prevail right yeah
0: so yeah these are not necessarily the people that need to be encouraged Come yeah. to church in the, <laughs> in the body you know physically gather yeah. because a screen is incapable of replacing The importance of person-to-person conversation. Well, this is going to sound like a cheesy segue as we or a cheesy conclusion here. I'm really looking forward to the next time we can enjoy some person-to-person fellowship. Me too. Uh, Although today's conversation was better than nothing. Yes. Yes. Well said, Chris. In the spirit of what we've been what we've been discussing. Thanks for your time, Joel. Really appreciate it. My pleasure.